So how would you like to bring your dream consulting or coaching business to life in less than 90 days? It is possible because you're going to hear all about it on this episode of the Enough Already podcast. And welcome to the Enough Already podcast. This is the show for consultants and coaches who want to forge their own path to success in their careers and their lives. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan. I am a business mentor and a brand messaging and positioning strategist, and my business is all about helping really smart, interesting, amazing mid-career professionals turn their experiences and their strengths into their own businesses and find the words that they need to get clients excited to work with them. So that's what I do, and I am so excited to have on the show today Kimberly Bolton. She and I are long-term friends, and now we have been working together on her business for literally the past 90 days, heads down getting a lot of stuff done, and Kimberly has so many best practices about how she turned her amazing teaching career and her career as an educational leader into her own coaching business. So if you want to be inspired on how you can build the right business the first time and do it faster without wasting time and money, you're definitely going to want to listen into this conversation with Kimberly. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Kimberly. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. This has been an incredible journey, and I'm very excited to talk about it. So we've gotten a lot of work done over the last 90 days, but before we get into that, I want to back up and talk about your career. So tell me a little bit about what you did just in a nutshell about your past career. And then let's talk about what got you to the point that you wanted to start your own business. Great questions. For over 20 years now, I have been in K-12 education. I started out as a middle school French teacher of all things and worked my way through various positions. I've been an instructional coach, I have been an assistant principal, and I have been a principal of a local school where I live in Jacksonville, Florida. So with all this amazing experience, you know, why did you not just stay in the formal school system? Why did you not want to just continue on moving into other principal roles, maybe becoming a superintendent? Like, why did you want to depart from that particular path? As a parallel to my education career, I've also been on my own personal growth and development journey. And for the past about seven years, I have been working with a mental health organization, doing my own therapy, generally kind of getting my own head screwed on straight. And I really felt like there was a gap in those kinds of resources for teachers. And I decided that I wanted to pivot my career at this point because I really wanted to reach teachers. This, there is a, a significant, um, well, gap is a really good word, uh, in, in terms of resources that are available to support teachers and help them stay in their careers. Education is so challenging today, and there's literally nothing that I've been able to find that's out there that can help support teachers so that they can on, not only survive in their classrooms, but actually thrive. And that's where I come in. I'm the person that's going to help them with that. So I love that. And I and I love that there's a couple things that are going on in your journey. So it seems like on the one hand, you were building a second expertise. So you have your formal expertise that you had as a teacher and as an educational leader, but then through your own personal journey, you started developing an expertise in mental health and doing your own work. And you wanted to bring these two things together into one business and uh, you didn't say this directly, but it sounds like you didn't see that you could bring those si both sides together in formal educational leadership. Is that accurate? Yeah, not in the positions that are available in public schools today. There really, if there are, of course, there are school counselors for the kids and there's counseling services and support services for students, but there's not much out there that's available to support teachers. And teachers are on the front lines with our kids every day. And they're struggling with their own stuff too. And if we want our teachers to be there for our students, then we need to be there for our teachers. So I love, so like, the, like well, you know, there's so much I love about your business. So I'm going to keep saying the words like, I love that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> but really at the end of the day, though, it's like there was a, a gap that you saw 
in the market, you know, that yes. there was a need and it's like, oh my gosh, I got to fill that. Like there was that, that drive to fill that need. Was it just vision like, or was there anything else that kind of pushed you off into that area? And I'm not trying to get you to like, you know, completely expose yourself here on my podcast, but in my experience of working with so many different mid-career professionals, it's just a lot of times it's just vision's not enough to get us to move. You know, is there other things that got you to move that said, all right, I have this vision, but now I'm going to do something about it. Well, there's actually, there's, there's a couple things that I can think of right off the top of my head. But one is, is within my latest position, my most recent position in a school, I had teachers in my office literally every day. And it was so common that my office actually got a nickname called the crying room. (laughs) <laughs> and and I went through so many boxes of tissues. I cannot begin to tell you. I should have taken stock in the tissue company. Um, I literally had teachers crying in my office just about every day, not an exaggeration. And having to kind of help support them, sort of informally sharing my wisdom after being in education for so long. And they're mostly new teachers that are really struggling with this. Some seasoned veteran teachers, too, are just you know, kind of burnt out um, and needed some help reigniting that spark. And sort of being kind of in that environment, it really brought it home for me. Like it was alive and well in the forefront of my consciousness that this is a gap. And uh, at the end of this past school year, when I had a, a position shift, I decided, you know, this is the time, like now's the time. Uh, at this point in my career, I have I've done the things that I think I can do in a school. I feel very good about the ways that I have been able to help influence teachers and students. And I wanted to go bigger. I wanted to reach more people. I wanted to help more teachers. I wanted to expand my circle of influence to not just the, you know, 60, 70 teachers in my building, but the hundreds and thousands of teachers that are stressing and struggling across the state of Florida, where I live, and across our country. The the K-12 education system is hemorrhaging teachers right now. And things are really bad. The, the things that teachers have to, to deal with these days are not the same things that I had to deal with mm-hmm. when I was a new teacher 20 years ago. It's just not the same profession. And the I, I'm... The types of things that I see coming out of colleges of education and teacher training programs typically do not address the mental health aspects and the resilience and regulation skills that are required in order for teachers to be able to survive and thrive in classrooms today. Yeah. So for a lot of people who are, you know, in those corporate jobs and they want to leave and start their own business, a lot of times what gets them to move is there's just what I would call an intolerable job redefinition. Like something happens and the job gets redefined, either like you get, um, you know, your job, you have to report to someone that's like, there's no way I could report to that person or your job gets eliminated or something along those lines. For you, it's not about like what happened in one micro school environment. For you, it seems like the school the 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 industry was being affected and that was like okay i got to do something you know and i can yes. tell you like like my podcast is not like a you know we're not this is not a political podcast but i could just speak as a a parent of of children you know or young adults now who are in florida you know my my older daughter is at the new college and that turnover rate of all of those teachers because some of the changes you know, is dramatic. I think it's like, I, I can't remember what the actual stats, but the majority of the teachers turned over and I know it's affecting my daughter's education. You oh, know, I she's totally at the college level, but it definitely affects the education. So for you, it seems like the industry shift is like, okay, that's what got you to move. And that's totally. what got us to start working together. Absolutely. There, the, the legislative shifts that have happened recently in Florida that are attempting to gag teachers of what they can and can't say in their classrooms, the book banning that is going on in in an attempt to censor and control what teachers are allowed to use as as teaching resources and and literature. 
I mean, it's it's crazy making right now. And 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 I have teacher friends who talk to me all the time about how they don't do, they just don't know what to do. Like they're right. they're they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Either they use the resources and get in trouble, or they don't use the resources and and kids are not prepared. So it's it's a catch twenty two. And when they reach out for help and support, they get nothing back. And I, it just breaks, it breaks my heart. It honestly, truly breaks my heart. And I ache for this and I bleed for this. And this is my hill. I mean, and it makes sense. Like, I'm grateful that I don't have to deal with my kids being in that kind of time period because it is important, like my kids to have critical thinking skills and make decisions and that type of thing. And having teachers who push them in that way without having those, you know, their hands being tied all the time or their mouths being gagged. I definitely, definitely see that vision. But as somebody who is like you, who have done a lot of emotional work, you know, and is a facilitator for other people's healing through those workshops that I know that you're a part of, did you have any fears or concerns as you were thinking about leaving, even though the industry that you came from is definitely changing, you still had a, you know, steady paycheck, you still had specific money that you could rely on, you had a career, did you go through any emotional challenges that got you to the point where you're like, you know what, I can still do this? Or what did you deal with on an emotional level? And what are the strategies that you were able to draw from, from your experiences in mental health to help you overcome those? That's a, that's a fantastic question. And um, yes, uh, it's a huge shift to go from an employee of somebody else's company to an entrepreneur and leader of your own company. That's an entirely different wheelhouse. And I feel super confident in, you know, in in the education world of of all the things that it takes to to lead and run a school and support teachers and things like that. But 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 like building a website, you know, <laughs> writing copy, um developing a marketing plan, executing on that plan. Like I am, I feel like a brand new teacher, first day of school, first day on the job, like that level of newness and fear, you know, like how am I going to tackle this problem that I have no idea what to do? And so, yes, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, um, a lot of emotions that come up. And so as I was kind of deciding and digging in, beginning my conversations with you, I, I really had to take a step back and A, lean on the skills and tools that I have developed in my personal therapy journey um, and, and my, the community that I, that I have around me that supports me with that um, and ask for help, being okay with asking for help. Um, in my community, that's that was huge. That was sort of my the personal side of how I was able to make it through to now being launched. The second thing that I needed to do uh, that really helped pull things together for me was to find and lean on an expert, and that's you. Aww. So, in my conversations with you. The, the the thing that I that really helped me make this shift was I just said to myself, this is Betsy's wheelhouse. This is what she does. She's been doing this for a long time. So she has the same confidence in her career that I do in education. So I know exactly if, if I had a new teacher coming to me and say, hey, what do I do? I know exactly what to tell them. So I turned around and asked you. Tell me exactly what to do and I will do it. And and that's what I did. Like that's I just had to suspend my judgment about what it was that you were asking me to do. Trust that you know exactly what you're doing. And you do, by the way. And I ask for it in little bite sized pieces so that I didn't feel overwhelmed. And you would give me a couple of tasks and I would turn around and I would do them and I would send them back to you. And we just started and keeping that cycle going a very quick turnaround. That was really how I felt that we got through from idea to launch in 90 days because trusting you and leaning in on the people that I knew were experts 
really gave me the confidence that, okay, I don't know this, but she does. I can lean on her. I have a tremendous amount of trust in you. And so taking what you gave me and following through, that was that's the huge part. Follow through, follow through, follow through, and just turn it around, give it back. Turn it around, give it back. Ask for feedback. Do not get an ego attached to whatever it is that I, I think is the best idea because now about 95% of those ideas, you were like, hmm, I think we can do something better. And you came up with even better ideas for me. So I very much would... If, if I were just to talk to somebody who was thinking about making this kind of transition um, is to lean on your, you know, have a support network for yourself personally, your own personal network, and then ha- have a professional network that you can lean in, ask feedback of, grow with, and just lean in hard. Sounds like you're, it sounds like you're talking like a true CEO. You know, like ultimately at the end of the day, what a CEO does is they don't know how to do everything, but they surround themselves with people. So it sounds like what you created was your personal board of directors and then also your professional board of directors who helped you on both sides. And it's like you kind of like went in with a CEO mindset to begin with. Um, If I got that, I don't know if I got that right, but that's kind of what I'm hearing in that. Yes. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't have labeled it CEO mindset before we got started. But now I can totally see it. Um, You also mentioned, though, that you drew on the emotional tools that you had, which I know goes beyond the community element and even having someone like me guiding you. Like, what were those emotional tools? Like, how do you talk yourself off the ledge? Like, we talked many different points in time that you raised it, but you had already you told me about some of the issues that you were dealing with after you had already processed it. So it sounds like you already had some tools, something along the lines of, you know, dealing with, you know, that learning curve overwhelm, you know, which I know you got to at certain points in time or that imposter syndrome. Can you give mm-hmm. more pragmatic tips, especially for you as a mental health advocate um, for other people and a teacher of mental health, can you break it down for other people who might be wanting to make that leap or wanting to have like a dream business like you have to help them overcome it? So can you be like more more precise? Okay. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the things that that I did, um, I would probably put if if I had to put a name to it, I would I would probably call it like the little angel on your shoulder and the little devil on your shoulder. You have. You have two little voices inside your head. One is whispering to you, who do you think you are? You can't do this. You're never going to be successful. Nobody's going to want to listen to you. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're going to not, you're not going to make any money and you're going to six months in, you're going to have to close down and, and go find another job. Like this little negative inner critic voice kind of telling you all the negative junk that, that you're afraid of. And then you also have the little angel on the other side of you whispering, yeah, you can, you can do this. Yes. You, you've got 20, you know, over 20 years of experience doing this and you would, you would do this with teachers every day in your office. What's the difference? You know, this is, this is just a bigger office. That's all you have, you know? So you've got these, these two little voices. And the, the one thing that, that really helped me when that little inner critic voice got really loud was to just call it out. It mentally inside my own head. I mean, I'm not going to be like sitting in a group of people going, hey, you know, yeah. no, just <laughs> just inside your own head. Just try to lean in and get curious about which voice is it that's talking to you. And if you can if you can identify the voice and say, OK, this is my inner critic voice that's talking. Then the thing that I would sort of my first go to reaction to that was if my best friend was going through this, what would I tell them? What would be my my feedback to them if they were sitting here in, in my shoes and thinking these thoughts? And of course, you're going to tell your best friend, that's your inner critic. You know, they're they're in the wrong seat on the bus. They need to go back to the back of the side of the bus. You know, that yes, they serve a purpose. They're trying to help and protect you. But right now, their voice is not helping you right now. So tell them to go sit back in the back of the bus. That little voice that's telling you that you can do it, put them right behind you. You're in the driver's seat. Put that other little voice right in the first seat, right behind the driver's seat. 
and have that voice be the one that speaks louder to you and tells you, yes, even when the inner critic is yelling from the back of the bus, eh, sit down, shut up, you know, that that your best friend, you know, biggest cheerleader voice, you know, the person who you trust the most in the world uh, is has every faith and confidence that you can do it. So you need to like listen to what that voice has to say. Get curious about that. That was one that really, really helped me. The other thing that helped me, if when when I I would say that, um, is to check out the story. If the story that I'm telling myself is I'm going to put this podcast out there and nobody's going to want to listen to it. Get curious about, really? Is really nobody going to listen to it? I have no friends. I can't even do this for my friends, my family. I've got like 20 people listening to my podcast now. About half of them are my family. You know, but, but you just launched. So. I just launched. You just so, launched. Look, so you I started at zero. Yes. I started at zero. I'm already at 20. You know, that's, I think that's fantastic for like one week. Uh, and but but the coming back to the point I was I was trying to make is is check out the story. Don't just sit there and think about uh, ruminate over all these thoughts that are circulating and cycling in your head from that inner critic. Ask somebody. Go to the people that you trust. Go to your personal boardroom or your professional boardroom if you have a Betsy in your life and ask them. Is this, you know, this is the story I'm telling myself. Is this true? Is this really what's going to happen? Do I really need to worry about this? And when I came to you with those questions, you were really able to redirect me back onto the path of, no, that's not exactly, you know, just don't expect this, you know, don't expect X, expect Y, you know, so we're going to be working through this, trust the process. You don't need to have all of the 25 steps upcoming right now. Let's just work on these three steps. The things that you're talking to me about now, we're going to get to it about step 10. So it's coming, but check out your story and then listen to if you have people in your boardroom, you know, in your personal or your professional boardroom, and you have put them there for the purpose of being able to lean on them, then actually lean on them. So somebody might be listening and saying, that's great for you, Kimberly, that you had that kind of supportive personal boardroom. But everybody who I'm talking to in my boardroom is saying, are you crazy? Why would you ever leave XYZ job with all the status and all the perks and all of the salary to start your own business? So the personal boardroom, you know, really mirrors the worst fears that somebody might have. So what would you tell that person whose personal boardroom is not as supportive as yours? I would tell them that they need to really get centered and quiet within themselves if they're the kind of person that journals or does vision boards or does something creative in order to process their thoughts and feelings. I would suggest that they really step back and think about who do they want to serve and what problem do they want to solve mm. and really come back to the foundation of what is your passion all about? What's your why? Why are you really feeling compelled or called to, to do the thing that may create some change in your life? What, what is it about that that is it, it it sits in your in your gut and you get this gut feeling that this is a path I really need to pursue. What is it about that? Sit with that and lean into it. And make sure that that vision, that why, is a bigger why than the naysayers. Got it. So it really begins with the fear is there, make the vision bigger. You make know, the so vision, the fear yes. is this, and if the critics are this noisy, make the vision bigger so yes. that you can balance out or or um, replace the some scales. of the, yeah. yeah, tip the scales, I like that. So yeah. now you're actually bringing into really more of the best practices around our partnership. What made our partnership go really fast is one, you were very clear about, you know, like, I really want to start this thing. And then the second thing is that we decided like, all right, we're going to, you know, we're really going to work together to get this thing done at a certain period of time, because there was only so much money that we had to work with until, mm -hmm. you know, that had to happen. 
Yep. And so let's talk about the best practices because we did begin with the vision board. I don't do that with everybody, but for you, I sense that that's something that would work for you. Um, and we started with that ideal client vision board. So can you talk a little bit about that process? Because that is one of the best practices I would say we use because we had a graphic visualization, which may yes. not work for everybody, but it really worked for you. It did work for me. And it really helped me get clear on who it was that I wanted to serve, you know, in terms of the, you know, those first two questions, you know, the first, first two questions that you posed to me were, who do you want to serve and what problem do you want to solve? And at first I was just like teachers, but we had to get really more specific than that because the, the, the burning fire that I feel inside my heart is not just, just, for, I mean, yes, it's for teachers. Absolutely. But in terms of combining that with the problem that I wanted to solve, I re we, we really had a lot of discussion around creating that ideal client avatar, if you will, and imagining that um, who is that person and what are they struggling with? What keeps them up at night? What What is, is the friction in their lives? And what is their life all about? And when we created the vision board, which actually... Um, is on my behind my computer up right in front of where I'm talking to you right now so that I can see it and re be reminded of it every day. Every time I sit down at my computer, I see that vision board and it reminds me of why I'm here, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And the interview process that we went through after creating it, um, where you asked me a bunch of questions about who who this person is and and what are their characteristics and and what are they dealing with that really helped crystallize for me that it's it's not just teachers it's the struggling stressed burnt out teachers maybe mid career teachers who have been doing this for a while who have fallen out of love with teaching and who are thinking about leaving they just don't know how much longer they can do this. And so it was really the, not just, it was, yes, the vision board process, but also those pointed questions and that interview that we had afterwards that really solidified it for me. So I love that, but I love the, like, I love what was different because I do that process really with all my clients is I ask them the questions like, who do you want to serve? What's the problem you want to solve? Let's get into their world. But it was really different with that vision board. Yeah. Um, because we weren't interview. I wasn't interviewing you. Like this might sound a little too woo for some of, some of the people who are listening, which is like, just like kind of go with us for a second. Just, just roll um, with it. Yeah. We weren't really in I wasn't interviewing you. We were interviewing the person the that you manifested on the board. Yes. You know, so um just a real quick talk about the process like of like cuz um we started off with just that blank piece of paper and said, yes. "Okay, ideal client, reveal yourself to me." Yes. You know, and then you went through all kinds of random pictures and magazines and put them on this board and the story came together and it actually worked. It accelerated the process where we got out of like your logical brain and we got more into your intuition. Yes. So, you know, like that was a big part. Um, anything that you would add around what we did with the vision board that you think would be helpful for those who are listening, even if you're not an artistic person and even if you feel like this sounds a little too woo or too psycholo psychology, or I can't even think of the word, too, too uh, navel-gazing-ish. Yes. Well, um, I would for if you're listening and and this piques your curiosity, uh, I I think that cutting pictures out of a magazine uh, is kind of an easy way to cheat at art. Like you don't yeah. have to draw anything, <laughs> you don't have to design anything. You just literally cutting and pasting, and I can cut and paste. A kindergartner can cut and paste, so I can do that too. But um, it really helped bypass that inner critic voice like oh this isn't good enough or oh that's not right it's not exactly on you know on point um and that this kind of of collage if you will process really got me out of my head and into my heart and mm -hmm. when i would see something in a magazine that just like oh you know like that little light up oh like that was something i knew i needed to pay attention to and i tore it out and I tore out more things than actually made it on the board. But once I had my little pile of, of things that I had torn out of the magazines, I went back through it 
and 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 then I started uh, kind of evaluating what I had. So the first one was purely like whiteboarding it, just get everything on the page. And once you get everything there, then start analyzing it, evaluating it, kind of synthesizing it, sifting it down and really making it represent what you want it to represent. Because we also had small paper. We didn't have like a huge like poster board size paper. We did deliberately a smaller, I'd say probably like a, I don't know what this is. No, it's a little bigger than eight by 10. Maybe like an A4 size paper, um, like uh, cardboard, tag board. And since it was smaller, I had to I, I had to be a little bit more strategic about what I put on there. And so it forced me to synthesize and evaluate, toss things, keep things, and then put it all up on the board so that we could then interview the board as opposed to interviewing me. And by putting it in that third person, like having something external than me to interview, it helped get me out again, of that inner critic voice of, yeah. okay, this isn't good enough. This isn't right. You know, um, you know, this, this, this is, I have one, two, three, four, six different pictures of people. Like, so who is that six, you know, if I got six faces on here, who, what, how does that make one teacher? And, and, you know, you just kind of overanalyze things. So that was a really effective process for me to get me out of my critic, out of my head, into my heart, really focusing in and synthesizing what qualities does this person have that I want to reach. Yeah. And that problem, because once, because that was like where the, some of the words came in and I've, I've used that exercise with another client um, recently and they were struggling with that whole idea of like niching down. It's like, Oh, I don't want to leave anybody out. But when you have a certain board where it's like, okay, I'm just choosing, then you could say, all right, this is my ideal client. And I think that that's an important thing is there's a difference between saying I could help teachers in every part, every walk of life, public, private, all grades, all the way through this, you know, like you, you could think that way, but then you lose sight of like what the problem is. And so it helps you narrow down and helps get away from that fear of niching. So I think that sounds like number one is with the vision board around the ideal client worked, but well, it helped you separate yourself from your own anxiety, fear to tap, tap into that empathy for this particular person, really pinpoint the problem you want to solve. Then we did, let's talk about the VIP experience. Cause this, like I've tried many new things with you because you did ha- come to me with all of that teachability and openness. We did instead of Um, doing several coaching sessions, we did a VIP experience where you actually came to my home in Denver. We did your shopping. We did your, we got all the visual branding stuff down. We did the photo shoot. We did shopping for the photo shoot and we did the photo shoot. We worked on your products and services and a couple pages of copy within a few short days. So can you talk about that experience and why that helped you versus if we would have spread it out over time and the difference that it made that we worked on all of those different aspects within a certain t- a shorter time period. One of the things that I really appreciated about that um, that experience was uh, I could really dedicate the time. I mean, that was that was a big a big help. Like I had the time, so I leaned in really hard to making sure that I got as much out of the experience as I possibly could. And I went into it kind of creating a sacred time. Like this is not going to be used for anything else this time Mm -hmm. that that we had. And I was able to get some like homework for you for from you in the morning. And then I would work on it during the day. And then later in the afternoon, um, we would discuss it, give feedback rewrite it, edit it. And by the end of like, by the end of a day, I felt so much more accomplished because I felt like we could really tackle this um, kind of from all angles, kind of all at the same time. And by having the visual branding and the photography and the creative side of, of, 
the website kind of being pulled together along with the the copy, the wording, the deciding of how we were going to couch all, like in what terms are we going to couch all of this? Um, I think it really made both of those crystallize and come together kind of like, uh, like it was blossoming, like it, it was really fast. And I felt like I kind of sidestepped the back and forth, like the mm. back and forth and back and forth, you know, like going over, you know, over and over and over and over and trying to make sure that it's 100% right. Um, I would, I got to the point where my inner perfectionist, I, I, did, I successfully was able to tell them, okay, you go back with the critic, back of the bus. <laughs> You're, you, you need to go away for a little while because I need to get stuff done here and lean into done is better than perfect. And if it was my perfect perfectionist voice, I would have gotten frozen up and not have been able to move and make progress. And so being able to say, okay, this is good enough. And I know that we can tweak it later. Like this, that's okay. But really being able to sit with you, sit with our photographer and really capture the essence of what my messaging is and and what my idea is and why it's important and how we want to sell it or you know how we want to position it i guess is a better a better term um and it all just came together beautifully and and really i i i partially credit that to the clarity that i had around the ideal client like mm. the 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 who and the what you know what problem do i want to solve like having that so crystal clear and so dialed in made it really easy to say no to the other things that were tangentially related but not quite there and when we had our focus time we were really able to just drill down deep into that singular problem one problem i'm not worried about five different problems i'm worried about one problem and being able to have your feedback to say, no, nope, that's not quite there. Let's let's bring it in more. You know, you sort of like guide me on the path and kind of keep me centered. And with both of us being on the same page like that, um, it made it so easy to kind of cut through some of the what I would think maybe traditional red tape. Like, oh, that's not going to help us. That's not what we need. We don't need that. We don't need to do this or that. This is what we need to do. And so I think it made that VIP experience way more effective than it could have been if I'd have been like, well, I'm not sure. I don't really know. Maybe, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to leave anybody out. I don't want to leave any teacher. I don't want any teachers to feel left out. So can we just do add this little bit? And you're, no, we didn't, we didn't do that. We, we stayed laser focused on our mission. And by combining that, um, I think that it really became an effective experience that sort of was kind of a launching pad because we, yeah. we did it in July. And to me, it, it helped sort of springboard us up so that our trajectory went even higher as opposed to just kind of piddling around and nitpicking at it and sort of staying small. We went really big and yeah, it- I loved it. And I think a lot of what you're saying is is powerful in terms of like creating that sacred container to get this done. You know, like this is my time and I'm going to go in it. And it seems like you went into the into that whole time period knowing your tendencies might be a little bit of perfection paralysis and that you didn't want to get stuck in your head. And so you just like went into it. And I did sense like you were really leading with your intuition, even when we were trying to decide on your wardrobe is like your intuition decided it's like, you know, you grab like that white jacket that if anybody looks at Kimberly's website, it's www.kimberly-bolton.com. There's a white jacket on there. And I remember when you found it, you just touched it and you're like, yep, this is the one. I know that this is the one, you know, and when you land on something, you're like, yep, that's the one. And then you just went from there. Didn't overthink it, just went with it. Yes. That really helped a lot. Um, And, and, not only with the wardrobe aspect of doing the photo shoot, but when we were working on copy together too, and I, you know, again, brand new at this, like this is, I'm newbie skill. So this is like the first time writing a five paragraph essay for me. Um, and I would bring you something that I had written. You were like, okay, it's not quite there. And you'd help me with the editing. And when, when we 
we got it to the like where it it met our standards, like it met the goal of what we're trying to do. Both of us, and I can re- I remember many times during that week where both of us were like, ah, that's it, yes, that, and we did it, and and that really helped for me. It helped. Um, well, I learned a lot, you know, so I gained some new skills, and I'm trying very hard to incorporate those skills into the way that I write now, and it it. It gave me that sense of confidence that this project, working on this project with you, was worthwhile and valuable, and it was going to happen. Like, this is going to happen. We're really doing it. As opposed to, like, taking months and months and, like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get there. Like, in one week, I was like, we're, we're going to do this. Like, this is really yeah. it. Yeah. So um, I want to ask a question just as somebody who's, you know, um, not on the not I'm on the other side of 40. Let's just put it that way as you are yes. as well. Yes, um, we are women a, of a certain age. Having a photo shoot can sometimes feel very vulnerable. You know, when you're getting a lot of pictures and you're posing and it always feels kind of awkward, you know, where you got like this and it's like, this is down mm-hmm. here. And, it, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. how did you feel doing the photo shoot? You know, it's in, do you lie. have any jitters? I did. I was very anxious going into the photo shoot. Um, I, uh, yes, I'm a woman of a certain age and certain gravitational pulls are a little more affecting me now. And um, I didn't know how those pictures were going to look. I had, you know, that little critic Oh, they're not going to be good. You're not going to get any good shots out of this. This is not going to work, you know. And uh, again, having to do the whole trust the professionals, you know, trusting the, the first of all, we interviewed a really good photographer who was aware of visual branding. They weren't just like a wedding photographer or a personal photo photographer. They were actually a business branding photographer as well. And so they really knew their stuff. And when we had our interview time to talk with them about, okay, so what is it that you're trying to do? What is your what are your color your color palettes? What are you, you know, what's the type of website that you're trying to build? And they asked some great questions. And we asked them great questions back. Well, okay, you asked them great questions back. And I, I, lo- I love this for so much. She's yes. the best. Yes. yes. Um and we, so we really got a sense together of how we were going to co-create these pictures. And so on the day of the the, the shoot, um, I did hair and makeup. Thank you for arranging that for me. It was definitely an unusual experience for me in my daily life. I don't wear makeup. Um, and I remember saying to you several times, like, I feel so pretty. I feel so pretty. Like, I feel really pretty today. Like, it wasn't too much. It wasn't, you know, I didn't look garish, you know, but I just looked, I looked pretty. And so kind of that sort of helped allay a little bit of my anxiety. And then when the photographer came in and set up and started talking to us about the types of pictures we were going to do and what did we want to add and how did we want to um, to accomplish our, our stated goals, um, and then leaning again, again, like she's been doing this for a long time. I can trust that what she has to, to offer is going to be way more than what I know how to do. So trust the process, lean in hard and um, just check your story. The story I'm telling myself is I'm not going to get any good pictures out of this. Is that true? Is that really true? Of course, it's not really true. I'm going to get some good pictures out of it. And and again, our photographer worked really hard to capture some great shots. She let us see stuff on her camera in the middle of the shoot, like, ooh, that looks really good. And her her positive feedback in the middle of the session also helped allay my fears, like, okay, we are going to get some good pictures out of this. And yeah, I'm looking cute today. And I like this white jacket. And I like these clothes. I feel good in the things that I'm wearing and the the way that I'm looking today. And just how we navigated the photo shoot, it, it all came together to by the end of the shoot, I was laughing and we had a bottle of champagne that we used to, to kind of like pop the cork and and toast. And I was 
toasting the champagne and like toasting to a launch and hopefully going to use some of those pictures now that I'm launching my site. Like this was, it, it turned out to be a thousand percent better than I ever imagined it could be. I love I love so many things that you're saying. And it's like you're taking me back to how much fun it was to have the photo shoot. But really, ultimately, a lot of the best practices that you had that allowed you to go from idea to launch within 90 days is number one, it seems like you did a lot of inner work before we even got started. You got your tools down around how am I going to handle these things? So you planned in advance for where these emotional hiccups were going to become, were going to be for you and really identifying that. You know, second is you created more of a visual process that inspired you about your ideal client that kind of kept you focused and moving. And then when it came down to doing like the heavy lifting of your branding, clarifying, you know, what you're going to offer, turning it into website copy, getting your visual branding down and getting your Mm -hmm. photography. A lot of it sounds like is it you dedicated the time, closed off all the other noise around like the other things that you were doing in your work and your life and all those other things. And it's like, I'm going to get focused. And that allowed you to do that while you relied on other people because you didn't have that. It sounds like what was really missing for you is you never really struggled with that. I should already know how to do this myth. A lot of the clients I deal with is that I should already know how to do this myth. And it sounds like you never had that because you're, you were clear from the beginning is I shouldn't know how to do this. And therefore I will learn how to do this. And that I do experience like what you're saying now is like, oh yeah, that's, that is what speeded things up with us is you are very teachable, give you a little bit of feedback. You go off and do it, apply it, come back. And you were in that learning mode, you know, Mm -hmm. even when we were working on your visual brand, like for a lot of people, like your visual branding might seem like, oh my gosh, it's so like in your face, it's so wild and crazy. And, you know, cause there's a lot of pinks and purples and all of that. But you look at your glasses and it's like, it's congruent. It resonated. And so you trusted even on my team to visually capture what you were trying to say from a visual branding standpoint. So you didn't have any of those hiccups, like going back and forth, like, oh, it was like, yes. I, I'm okay. I'll take it. I'll move. Yes. And and really, if, if, I, if I had sort of one thing to add or like something that I would tell somebody who's thinking about doing something like this. Um, is to trust the experts. Like, like you were the expert here on how to get this done and how to go through this journey and how this process works. And every single time I had a question and or a doubt that I felt comfortable coming to you and asking you about it, you know, checking out that story I was telling myself and leaning into your answers and really taking what you had to say to heart and 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 then following through on it. So like I hired you for a reason. So mm-hmm. why would I not listen to you? Mm-hmm. What you were telling me is the the way to do it in this world, the way to make this transition from employee to entrepreneur. And this is your wheelhouse and I'm paying you for your expertise. Why would I not listen to you? So get my own ego out of the way. Take a step back and really lean into what you had to say. That was that would that was probably the single biggest thing that really helped me when I would get scared or when I was unsure. I would what would Betsy do? WWBD. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't put me quite at that same level with the W. Okay, maybe not quite that level, but <laughs> but, but really it 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 well, you were my expert, and and you're sort of the chairman of my board of directors on my on my business professional board. So, yes. And it, I see that you had that same ability to handle stuff afterwards. So after we got through the VIP experience, my team went to work on assembling all of that into your website. So then you had to start working on a bunch of other things: your admin stuff, your marketing, getting this microphone, and working on all of that techie kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. you were working on like learning how to do um, proposals and discovery meetings. And there's all these other things. And I know that there's a certain point where you started getting overwhelmed with the learning curve while we were working towards the launch. What um, tell Is there any other tips that you would give about how you handled 
just the pure volume of things that you were learning simultaneously, you know, learning marketing, learning sales, learning tech, the back end of your website. I mean, there was a lot of things that you have been learning and you are currently working Still. on mastery for them. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Um, That's a really good question. And there were a couple of points in there where I got I got so overwhelmed that I kind of shut down and and it I would predict that it's probably going to happen to just about everybody at some point in the in their mm -hmm. journey um, and really giving yourself permission to take a step back. Uh, I took a couple of days off. I just kind of closed up the laptop, set it aside for a couple of days and um, I just tuned into what I was feeling and why I was feeling it and where was it coming from. And I would do something else for a couple of days um, that has nothing to do with my my business. Um, I would go visit friends or I would go out to eat or um, go to uh, Italy. Go to, well, yeah, I did. I went to Italy. Um, I taught a different <laughs> workshop there yeah. for a while, um, which was fabulous. Italy's fabulous, by the way. Just putting that in there. Um so yeah, but just doing something different and letting my brain just kind of marinate on it. Um, cause you know, you know, your brain is still working on solving problems in the background, even if you're not actively like it's up in front of your laptop right now. And when I came back after a couple of days of not doing anything with the business, then that was the time when like all of a sudden I had some ideas of ways that would help me move forward. And then really coming back and just saying, okay, just what's the next one thing I need to be working on right now? What is the one highest priority that I have? So I don't have to work on these 10 things. I just need to work on this one thing. What is that one thing? Let me do it. And then sort of kind of getting back in the groove of, you know, of turning it back into you, getting my next assignment, turning it back into you, getting my next assignment. And also staying communicative with you and and just being honest. Hey, I'm overwhelmed. I need to take a couple of days and not do this right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just had to, you know, yeah, it's got to happen. And um, I, I, it really helped working with you on this in particular because I trusted that you still had my back even when I needed when when I felt overwhelmed and I needed to take a break. Like I appreciate so much of like all the positive feedback you're giving about me, but I don't think it really is about me. I think that it was about what you are you how you are applying what you want to do with your clients around mental health and resilience and all of that, how you apply that to yourself and then you just leveraged whatever I had to offer, you know, as well as the rest of your boardroom, your personal and your professional boardroom. But it was really around that. And this really goes to verify, like when you would get worried about things, it's like, well, you know, can you do this with your clients? Can you really help these teachers? And it's like, obviously, look at how you helped yourself. It was around how you didn't let that emotional side hiccup you and keep you from moving forward, which I imagine you know, something that you're going to bring to your teachers. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit more around like all the different people. I know you have programs that are helping the principals and superintendents of schools to help with the teachers so that they can keep the teachers as well as for the teachers themselves so that they can stay resilient and excited in their career, despite all of the craziness that's going on in the environment, in the industry right now. Can we, can you talk a little bit specifically about like, what do you do for administrators? So for somebody who's listening in right now and they have a teach, they have a school that is bleeding teachers or a school district and they're bleeding teachers, how would you help that principal or that superintendent? That's a really wonderful question because I, I hope that eventually there are some superintendents and some principals who might be listening to this and hearing and listening to what I have to say. The, the, the way that I would love to work with schools is really to start with the leadership team because I was on a leadership team of a school and I know that it takes really fantastic leaders, plural. You know, of course, the principal is like primo number one person, but that person hopefully has surrounded themselves with a good team and starting with the leadership team and having an opportunity to work with them on the kinds of things that they struggle with and the kinds of things that that they're looking to do in their careers 
and certainly focusing on resilience and regulation skills to help leaders sustain themselves within the roles that they play in their schools is is, is a great first step. Another way to to work with schools is to work with the leadership team on the what are the gaps with, that their teachers are struggling with in terms of school culture or teacher schools, excuse me, teacher skills. If teachers are, if they have a young population of a lot of new teachers and not a lot of veteran teachers, and so the the institutional memory of of best practices in the building is is a pretty small bucket, then being able to help support those teachers in terms of workshops, coaching, mentoring, um, doing um, group sessions with, like, say, a particular grade level or a content area if you're a middle or high school, and really kind of drilling down into what's going on with the the school, what are the gaps, where are we looking to be, and then creating that roadmap of how we're going to get there, and what kind of tools and skills and best practices do we need in order to help those teachers with the emotional skills that they need in order to make their careers successful, thrive in their classrooms, teachers. I mean, uh, principals can retain the fabulous teachers that they love and sustain and grow to be an A-plus school or however their school is rated. Uh, I know that 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 is definitely an interest of school leadership. If I were to work with teachers, is that going to be your next question? Yes, you read my mind. No, you just go ahead. You already okay. read my mind. If I was to work with, say, uh, uh, a teacher in a building, and they're in a system that isn't going to change, because of course, if I'm if I'm working with a school, I'm trying to change the system that 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 school is operating in. But a single teacher inside an external system isn't, you know, that the system isn't going to change. So how is the teacher going to, to survive and thrive in their own classroom? But for also for new teachers that have a different skill set and a different set of needs than seasoned veteran teachers. So I would work with the two of them differently. But essentially, they kind of need a road. They need a roadmap too. What are they good at? What are they not good at? What kinds of, of skills and tools and policies and procedures and systems do they need in place in their classroom in order to make those classrooms the wonderful learning environments that they can be? and help those teachers survive and thrive in those kinds of environments with, um, I have a, a trusted advisor program with access to my wisdom. I have uh, group coaching sessions with like-minded and sort of similarly placed teachers. And I also have one-on-one, one-to-one, uh, one-on-one intensive individual coaching for people who just want like the white glove concierge, just help me. I need help with what I'm doing here. Help me. So those are different ways that I work with not only teachers, but schools as well. So it sounds like your your real goal is, is to help the system on the whole. So you want to create a healthy environment, you know, with people who have the, the mental wellness skills to manage all the complexities, all the way from the superintendent, the principal, the leadership team, through the seasoned teachers who've been there for a while, all the way to the new teachers, all of them. But it's really all along the level of like, how do we make this a healthy environment? Applying exactly. a lot of the things that you just described to me about how you apply it to your own environment where you're trying to change and you're going through massive transformation and a lot of things you don't have control over, but you controlled your emotions. And that seems like to be the, the big secret. Yes. Yes. Very well said. And how do people find out about you? Like where, where can they find out about you and, um, and can they get, you mentioned, do you have a podcast? Um, yes. Can you, can you mention a little bit more? It sounds like it's more like, not just a podcast. It sounds like there's a little bit more to it. Can you describe how people can get, what's your address and what can people expect when they get there? Absolutely. I would love to connect with every teacher that is struggling, every teacher that feels like they're falling out of love with teaching. You can find me at Kimberly-Bolton, B-O-L-T-O-N.com. And within that website, you'll see a little pop-up come up that invites you to subscribe to my super blog. It's called Bites of the Apple. 
because little bite-sized pieces, because I know teachers are super busy and don't have a lot of time. So I try to make these little bite-sized nuggets of wisdom, inspiration, resources, tools, tips, tricks, ways to help sustain and thrive in an, in an environment that you're stressing and struggling in. This uh, super blog, Bites of the Apple, is has audio, kind of little podcasty kind of bites. Uh, I have written blogs with some tips and resources in there. I'm also working on developing a library of of some best practices that I've these are things that I've collected over the 20 years of being in education that have really worked for me. And I am not afraid to pull things from all kinds of sources and have like if you're struggling with Whatever it is, if it, even if it's lesson planning or unit planning or how do I start my day, how do I help my kids transition from coming into a, this sort of frantic uh, arrival into my classroom and get settled and situated and ready to have a productive day, all of the everything in between soup to nuts of the things that it takes to be the, the kind of teacher that has the systems in place to have like this well-oiled machine. And bites of the apple are all these little bites of little bite-sized pieces of that. And so I would encourage you to sign up so that you get notified right to your inbox. I'll let you know every time I drop something new into my super blog space, the into bites of the apple. And I want to make sure that you have all of the resources that are going to help make you successful and help you fall in love or stay in love with teaching. Awesome. Um, I definitely wish that when um, when my kids were young, that all the teachers that my kids had would have someone like you. So that's amazing. Um, we talked a lot about we talked a lot about different things. We talked a lot about the best practices that allowed you to get your business launched in ninety days, but we really talked about the inner work that allowed mm -hmm. you to get to that goal faster. Um, is there anything else that you would want to tell me about your business or your business launch process? And I'm just not asking you the right question. Um, that is a good question. If I, if I were somebody listening in on this and kind of on the fence and not really sure whether or not I'm ready to take a step forward, the thing that I would ask them to ask themselves is what are you afraid of? Mm. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, sort of like do some like ca catastrophizing, go ahead and go there, be petty, be scared, like feel it and, and jump into like all of the overwhelm that, that can come up and imagine it, imagine what can happen. And then Ask yourself, you know, who who is it that's that's speaking to you right now? And is it really likely that you're going to fail so badly that your your house is going to get foreclosed on, and they're going to repo your cars, and your wife is going to divorce you, and you're going to be <laughs> alone in a ditch? Like, is that really going to happen? Really? And <laughs> and just kind of check yourself, check your fears, and but check it out, like, and just check out that story with yourself. Check out that story with, say, one or two of your absolute closest friends who would shoot you straight. Don't check it out with everybody, though, because there are a lot of people who have not earned the right to hear your story, who may be critical that you don't really need to listen to. So just I would be very selective about who you talk about this, this germ, nascent little seed of an idea and I would also suggest that that they call you. To be honest with you, I would suggest that they that you would be a good person to be on somebody's professional board of directors, like you know, a little internal board, um, and and check out the idea. Get on, jump on a call with you, and check out the idea and see if there's really something there that's worth digging into in terms of a vision for a future coaching or consulting business. Because one of the things that I value about you, Betsy, is that you shoot people straight. 
and you hold them accountable for the choices that they make. And you're very honest and clear about your feedback. And so somebody who may be listening, who is on the fence, who might possibly be interested in doing this, I, I would suggest that that they give you a call. I got so much value out of talking with you about the beginning of this idea when we first started talking about it and getting clarity around that problem and ideal client that I am 100% positive that I would not be where I am today if it was not for working with you. And that I would really encourage someone who is listening, if you're on the fence, just call you. Wow. Because you'll give them, you'll give them the, you'll give, you'll give them the good stuff. Even yeah. if the so good stuff is like, no, that's not quite, mm, I don't think that's going to get you to where you want to go. Yeah, some people love that. Like there's a love hate thing with it, you know, where sometimes it's like, you know, we love the direct feedback when somebody's like, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah. But um, I do appreciate you saying that. And that means a lot. And it has been a joy working with you on this. And it's been really fun to see this business get off the ground with the speed that it has been. And I agree that that first step, like if, if somebody does want to talk to me about that initial germ of an idea when it's just in that little phase, you could definitely head over to my website, www.betsyjordan, Jordan with a Y, dot com um, forward slash schedule. And you could book a free call with me and we can get the process started and we can figure out that what's unique about you, Kimberly, that we work together is we created a program that really supported what you needed because you were articulate about it. You know, mm -hmm. so if I were going to add on to it, it's like, yes, work with me. I would love to work with you, but it was really not about that. It's as much as I would suggest to add into it is you were clear about what kind of process you needed that supported your emotional state. You are so clear on what your heart needed and your mind needed and what your fears needed and that we customized it for you. And so that would be the one action item I would say is to apply what Kimberly is sharing um, to your life right now is plan in advance for the fears that you will have the issues that you're going to have at some point, if you don't deal with it now, you'll deal with it later is imposter syndrome will happen. Money fears will happen. The learning curve overwhelm will happen. You're definitely going to get into analysis paralysis and perfection paralysis at some point in the journey. So just plan in advance for it. Know that it's going to happen. Come up with then what do you need? And that's why it's our partnership was successful. It's not that I'm magical, it's that you were articulate about what you needed and we were able to create the program for you. And that is, to me, is the secret. That's how we got you to 90 days, to an amazing website and to a business. And now you also have the skills. You're almost done with your go-to proposal. You got a podcast going. You got your brand new microphone. You got all of that because you were clear on what you needed. So... That has been very inspiring. And definitely for those teachers out there, the administrators, definitely check out Kimberly. And thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review Enough Already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at BetsyJordan.com. And it's Betsy Jordan with a Y. And you'll learn all about our end-to-end -end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait. Start today.